The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences, financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome and good morning, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Network. We have another terrific show for you today with my special guest, Cheryl Obermiller. And she is a small businesswoman from Missouri who's an expert at embezzlement. And why? Because she herself was victimized by her bookkeeper, whom she trusted like a family member, but yet... This woman stole from her for over an eight-year period. Now Cheryl is writing a book about it, and she's going to share her experiences with us and and some of the lessons that she learns. But before we get to Cheryl, who I'm going to bring in in a couple of minutes, let's not forget the mantra, which is what? At any time in any organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good, and we have to remember that. Uh, Fraud is everywhere, sapping the lifeblood out of our organizations left and right, and we're here to try to tamp it down, minimize it, squelch it, reduce it, and whatever we can, prevent it and stop it from happening. Uh, But I'm still continually amazed at how much fraud goes on out there in the world today. Um, Just this past week, uh, as we recap the week of uh, major embezzlements, we we counted some 28 major cases of embezzlement around the United States. That's averaging four a day. I mean, it just keeps seems to keep going uh, more and more. And these are cases involving more than $100,000 a year. I mean, I'm sorry, $100,000 uh, taken or at least uh, throughout the United States. And of those 28 cases, the total losses were at least... 22 million dollars uh so and this is just this past week tip of the iceberg folks uh it just happens all the time and uh you know what we hear about what we you know what gets prosecuted uh isn't isn't everything that's out there you have um Lots of businesses that simply don't report it or they don't realize that they've been victimized. Uh, people move on or the numbers are too small to get end up getting prosecuted, what have you. It's just, uh, it's just uh, happening all the time. So the Fraud Talk uh, call-in number, if you would like to join us, is 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790 if you'd like to join the discussion this morning. And you can find us on all the major social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. And uh, our handle on Twitter is at Fraud Talk, and that is hashtag Fraud Talk, which we like to use. 
Uh, you can also find us uh, on Fraud Talk, uh, which is uh, hosted by Blogspot. You can co- uh, contact me directly, Chris at MarquetInternational.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-E-T, International, all one word. If you have a question, comment, or a suggested fraud of the week. This week's fraud, by the way, speaking of which, uh, comes to us from Boston Globe reporter Deirdre Fernandez. She called me uh, for some perspective about a local embezzlement case involving a now former finance director of the nonprofit PBS station in Boston, WGBH. And you all probably know them by uh, the, the what they produce uh, shows such as Downton Abbey and Civil War series by Ken Burns and popular kids programming like Arthur and many others. Uh, this uh, individual allegedly stole more than $2 million from the organization, and uh, it's come to light as a result of a civil suit uh, for recovery filed by the insurance carrier uh, to try to recoup the losses in a fidelity policy that they've paid out to the um, to WGBH slash PBS station. So just a little bit about this this, this story. I'll read from the Boston Globe from September 25th. The former finance director of PBS video production arm in Boston is alleged to have stolen more than $2 million from the public broadcasting network over the course of about four years, according to court records. The alleged embezzlement came to light on, uh, in a lawsuit filed Monday by PBS's insurance company against Citizens Bank in U.S. District Court in Boston. So what's happening here is uh, the the uh, insurance carrier is going actually going after the financial institution, which it's alleged you know should have known that a fraud was going on. In any event, <clears throat> continuing here, the suit alleges that Christopher C. Morris. Uh, who worked for the PBS subsidiary that sells the DVDs and video on demand of those shows and deposited more than 200 checks meant for PBS into his own private account and that uh, it alleges that C- Citizens Bank should have been aware of the fraud and was a, and and uh, and brought it to light, uh, but didn't. <clears throat> so right now, federal law enforcement are in the process of investigating. Uh, they have not brought any charges against uh, this uh, Mr. Morris, uh, but the case is ongoing. Uh, so <clears throat> the uh, the nonprofit uh, which generated uh, about uh, nearly fifty million dollars in revenue in 2012 um, was certainly affected. But uh, um, but uh, I think they'll be able to recover based on the fact that uh, <clears throat> you know that they're they're going to put some safeguards in place if they haven't already done so, and 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 make sure that their uh, contributors uh, are aware that they're taking they're being good stewards of the, of the monies that uh, are being donated. Um, so going back to this article, Morris apparently de- deposited two hundred two checks made out to PBS. Uh, totaling $2.1 million starting in 2008 and continuing to at least 2012. And, uh, and uh, the, uh, the checks went uh, into his own Bank of America account. He allegedly for- forged the PBS endorsement on the checks and presented the checks to citizens for deposit in his own account. And uh, the insurance carrier which is called federal insurance in this case, they actually paid out the $2 million, which, uh, which is the limit of the policy to PBS. And now they're trying to recover the funds. 
this isn't the first time WGBH slash PBS uh, was a victim. In 2010, former accounting manager at WGBH-TV pled guilty to stealing nearly $500,000 from the station over a nine-year period. So this is, uh, this. I think this time around, they're going to have to really make it clear to to their uh, to their stakeholders that uh, that they're serious about it, um, and let's see. I guess I was quoted in this article too. It's a never good never a good thing to say. Chris Marquet. They're probably no doubt having to show the world that they're putting safeguards in place, but uh, we expect them to recover. So, in any event, this is not an uncommon case. People, uh, we see charities, nonprofits, religious organizations of all stripe uh, regularly victimized by. By, uh, people that they've entrusted with finances, and uh, what's uncommon here is one, uh, it's a it's a man that stole. Number two, it's over two million dollars from a nonprofit, and that can be uh, you know a massive blow to something that uh, relies on um, public monies and uh, char- charitable contribution. So as this story unfolds, it'll be interesting to learn, learn more about this uh, Morris fellow. You know, did he have a gambling issue? Uh, hard to say. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, was there something else you know, in his life that's going on? And, you know, how is he able to steal so much money over a four-year period and not get caught? Uh, well, that happens so, with regularity. And um, here to talk to us about that very thing, I'm going to introduce Cheryl Obermiller with us today. Cheryl, good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Welcome, welcome. Uh, so, Cheryl, uh, she, Cheryl is a small businesswoman. She hails from Missouri. She runs Obermiller uh, Construction Services, and um, and you know before. Uh, I want to know a little bit about you know how you go from uh, a you know starting your career in the fashion and modeling industry back in the early eighties, <laughs> going to run uh, and running your own little model agency to becoming the uh, founder and uh, owner of a construction company filling in potholes in and around uh, uh, Henderson, Missouri. How did that? How did that go on? Well, you know, for starters, if if uh, if you own a construction company and you gain ten pounds, nobody cares. So that did make life a little bit easier. Uh. <laughs> uh, but I and first of all, just can I say about your case of the week? I'm such a Downton Abbey junkie. I just think that's horrible. <laughs> it's like you stole from Lord Grantham. Seriously, um, what a shame. But. Um, at any rate, I uh, I married an engineer, and I started working with him in his business, and I was doing his books, and uh, because we had a large blended family, we had six children um, under the age of seven, and so we did what all normal people do when they have that many children, and we had two children of our own. So um, I really didn't have time to model, and I worked with him in his consulting business, and then it came about, you know, I realized, look, I have no credit of my own. I have no Social Security. I have nothing because... I'm working in my husband's business and I'm not even drawing a paycheck because it saves unemployment taxes and um, so I spun off my own company doing things that he had initially not wanted to do under his engineering license and what really neither one of us were banking on was the fact that I love to market and I went out and marketed some really large retailers and um, and my business became quite large. I've been in business for 21 years now and it's been a multi-million dollar annual business for for the last 16 years of that time. So, wow. it, um, you know, it was really extraordinary, and I feel very fortunate. But like many of the people that you deal with, I didn't have 
any kind of training. I didn't have any idea how to manage that kind of money. I I did what most people would do, and I hired an accountant and said, thank goodness somebody wants to do this paperwork. Please tell me how much money I have. And, um, it, you know, we, we trust the people that work for us, so we don't think they'll steal. Right, right. And so so you get into this business, this male-dominated business. You're running this show here right. and becoming all of a sudden you're becoming like a super success uh, when you land a, uh, a one big account with a large retailer that most people would know by name. Right. Uh, and, uh, and and so all of a sudden you've got this, this flood of cash and you're running, you know, you're running your employees that you're hiring people. You're trying to run projects and keep keep thing, keep track of things. You're trying to sell, continue mm-hmm. to sell the services uh four crews running over six states in the midwest doing construction projects which means that the accounting is you know there's just hundreds of things a month that are coming in and going out that have to be monitored so it was very very easy to hide the fraud right so it would have been easy to catch too if i'd known how to do that but i didn't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we're going to get into all of all of that uh, uh, in the next segment because I, I want you to tell us about you know t- tell us about your bookkeeper. You know, you hired her because you you became overwhelmed with the finances, and that's really not your strong suit. And you wanted to you focus on the business itself, uh, but then you trusted her, and then the next thing you know years down the road, you realize that she's stealing from you. We're going to talk about all of that and some of the lessons that you learned and, and all the details when we come back at our next break, and we'll talk to everybody soon. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. And also, some of you would-be fraudsters. Your days are numbered. Anyway, uh, today our special guest Cheryl Obermiller uh, has been uh, chatting with us uh, initially, and uh, she's a small businesswoman who owns a construction company uh, in Missouri, and uh, she was the victim of a major embezzlement. Her bookkeeper stole uh, nearly a million dollars, she believes, from the business over an eight-plus-year period, and. Uh, and she's now, you know, she's not going to take it stand, sitting down. She's standing up and she's now writing a book about her experiences and uh, some of the lessons that she learned uh, over the course of, uh, of this experience. Uh, Cheryl, welcome back. Hi there. Thanks for so, having me. So we were talking, you, you know, you're, you're, you have success in the business. Uh, all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're super busy. And, uh, you know, the money's coming in and out. And you're working across eight different states. And you got tax issues in each state. Right payroll you got all your employees and uh you know it's just too much uh, for one person so you hire you do the logical thing you hire an accountant now sure. this woman tammy uh and for the record her name is tammy lynn cowell and that comes right out of the public record uh, i'm looking at a press release from um the U- the u.s district court in the western district of missouri now, you she also was need to note that she was her conviction was for the going back over four years and it was just under half a million dollars but we have forged checks going back nearly eight and a half years and um we estimate that you know based on you know other ancillary damages and additional monies that the it conservatively the the loss to the company was in excess of a million dollars Right, and that's, I mean, that's typical where the prosecutors are going to take a fixed period of time that, that, you know, there's statutes of limitation and that sort of thing where they can only go back so far, uh, and they'd rather nail somebody on a few uh, key uh uh, uh, points and not necessarily, you know, however many checks she she forged or what have you, um, and there, and on every single account. So in any event, we're gonna and I'm going to come back to that, um, Cheryl. So you hired this woman, and this is back in what 1993 or so. Um, she was hired in ninety, I believe ninety three. I'd have to go back and uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. She was hired in. Oh, two. Because okay. we caught the embezzlement in 10. Maybe, no, it was 01. And we caught the embezzlement at the very beginning of 2010. 
and um, in looking back, um, we hired her and the and August and and going back through the records, we found the very first forged check written only four months later in December, and um, so I mean it had been going on almost since the beginning of her employment. That's incredible. Well, so tell us, tell, tell us how uh, you, you hire her. She's handling the, the books and records. And from what you can tell initially, I mean, she's engaged. She seems very knowledgeable. She's really good with numbers, you know, uh, and, and you, you kind of take her in as, you know, and you treat her like, you know, part of your, your, your huge extended family. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got your sons, your son-in-law, your, your, your stepson all involved in the company. Um, you know, how did this whole thing come about? I mean, and, and, and how, how did it come to light? Well, tell, us, tell us about that. She, most of the money that she took, she was simply forging checks. And I don't think that people realize how incredibly simple it is to forge a check and that it is not the bank's responsibility, and they will probably not check your signature unless someone comes actually to the counter and tries to get cash. If someone is just depositing that check in an account, um, it, you know, it, it, those things are just passed on through. And so it's really very simple to forge a check. Um, in my case, we, um, you know, as you said, I just turned everything over to her. And it wasn't that I didn't monitor what she was doing. I did. But I did not realize at the time that I was looking at reports that she gave me. I was looking at checks that came in that she showed me. Everything that I knew about the financial condition of my company had passed through her hands before I saw it. And that's a very dangerous place for a business owner to be, but we don't know what we're supposed to look at ourselves and what other people are supposed to handle unless we've been taught. And that, that's what happened to me. And, and in my case, um, January 7th of 2010, we had a horrible snowstorm here in the Midwest, and she called in and was snowed in and, and couldn't get out of her driveway. And I uh, wasn't concerned about that. Construction is, you know, we pretty much do bookkeeping in January and clean out the files. So she needed to be gone, and, and that wasn't a problem. But um, when the mail came that day, I had a certified letter from the IRS, which I thought was kind of odd, but I didn't even pay much attention to it. I kind of opened it, you know, whatever, because, you know, they send a lot of things certified. And um, you can have a lot of questions about your taxes that aren't really a big deal. But I opened it, and it said um, it was a final uh, notice of demand for uh, tens of thousands of dollars and pointed out that since they had been contacting me for six months and I hadn't responded to any of their communications, they were now pretty much going to come and take everything that I had. And I thought, well, this is just bizarre. I wasn't even horrified by it because I thought these goofballs have screwed up my account again because they had, you know, there had been legitimate IRS errors before. And, but I called my bookkeeper at home and said, you know, I got this letter. Are we behind on any of our taxes? I mean, everything should be paid. No, no, no. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. They just have screwed up the account again. I'll be in tomorrow and I'll take care of it. And I said, you know, they're threatening to come seize my bank account, so I, I pretty much think I better call them today, but I'll get the information and we'll work on it tomorrow. So I did, and um, the lady that I spoke to at the IRS was very nice and, and said, well, you know, for the first quarter of 2009, your taxes, your payroll, weekly payroll deposits, were paid every week up through halfway through the first quarter, so February 15." And she said, and then you didn't pay anything else the rest of first quarter. You didn't file anything. Second quarter, you didn't pay a dime. And then third quarter, all of your payments started up weekly, 
just like clockwork with no problem. And she said, you know, both before and after this four-and-a-half-month window, you had a perfect record of tax compliance. And I said, look, I talked to the accountant. I don't know what's going on. All our taxes are paid. She snowed in. And, and the IRS said, you know, we're, you have a perfect record of compliance. Uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to put this on hold for 30 days. When your accountant gets in, you guys track the payments down. We think your account must have had some kind of an electronic crossover with somebody else. The funds were deposited in somebody else's account. We'll figure it out. So that was fine. But then I called Tammy back to tell her, and all of a sudden, she just sounded really weird. And now remember, I've been working with this woman daily for eight and a half years, so I know her very well. And you could ask her any question that you, at all about the financial condition of the company, and she could tell you instantly. I could sit at my desk and yell, hey, what did we pay per cubic yard for concrete in Chadron, Nebraska last year? And she could pop it off the top of her head without looking at anything. So to suddenly have her saying, well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we could have maybe paid it one, maybe two payments a little late. I, you know, I don't know. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll have to check. I thought, man, I don't know what's wrong, but that's just weird. So I just said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I went in and did something I had never done before, and it's where the title of my book, My Accountant's Drawers, came from. I went in and started going through My Accountant's Drawers. And I, um, I looked through the accounting program, which was a professional accounting program and is difficult to negotiate if you're not trained in it. But I did manage to get into the tax payments and had my first kind of, oh, crap moment, which was when I could find a record of all the tax payments that the IRS said they had received and could find nothing posted for any of the payments that they said they had not received. So I started really looking through everything. And in the back of one of her drawers, I found a green folder with every letter from the IRS with the envelope, sta- the envelope stapled to the letter, and it was date-stamped when it was received, and they were all hidden in the back of a drawer. And uh, in talking to the FBI agent later as we investigated, we both determined that when the IRS came and, and seized everything, she would be able to pull these letters out and say, well, of course we had all of them. She knew about all of this. You know, she just wasn't paying the taxes. Um, and so, it, it, you know, once I found those, uh, the tax notices, I, I, I called my husband and I said, man, something's wrong. Tammy's lied to me. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to call the bank and shut off the bank account, tell them I don't want anything clearing the bank. Now, remember, at this point, I hadn't seen anything going on with my bank account, but I knew that my accountant had blatantly lied to me about something that was turning out to be a great deal of money. And so I called my banker. And so don't clear anything through the account. I'm having some kind of an accounting problem. I don't really, maybe nothing's wrong, but don't clear anything through my bank account until you talk to me. So, um, and then I, I told my sons who work for me, I said, if Tammy comes in early in the morning, don't let her in the office. You know, she has a key, but they get here at 6 o'clock. And I said, don't let her in the office. I don't want her touching anything. I don't know what's going on. And they called me the next morning at 7.30 and said, well, she's in here half an hour early. What do you want us to do? And I said, have her wait in the foyer. Don't let her back in the office. I will be right there. As soon as I got in the car, I got a call on my cell phone from my banker who said, well, we had two checks come in last night. Uh, the first was just an ordinary uh, utility payment. And I said, go ahead and pay that. And they said, the second one is a check you wrote to Tammy on Tuesday. And I said, I, I had one of my kids was really sick. I was out of the office all day Tuesday. They said, well, this was dated on Tuesday. And, you know, you wrote it to Tammy. And I said, you know, I just... I don't think I did that. How much is the check? And they said $3,760. And that was kind of my second really oh crap moment. And I said, I, I didn't write this check. Go, go pull my signature card. 
And 30 seconds later, the branch manager of the bank was on the phone and said, this is not your signature. We have six months of your records here at the branch. We're going to pull everything here. I'll call the main office and have them pull all of your bank records, and I'll talk to you in a couple of hours. Three hours later, she was in my office with $27,000 worth of forged checks just for the last couple of months. And it just all unraveled from there. We found fraud in a number of different places. But again, the primary and the easiest one to commit was check fraud and a company debit card that she'd been abusing um, that had belonged to an employee that had left. And instead of closing the account, as I directed her, and of course, I'm a weenie, I said, close that account, and she said, okay, and I didn't investigate any further than that. But she'd been transferring company funds into that debit card account and then using that card. So you, so this whole scheme, uh, which had been going on for eight and a half years, uh, you found out because you were, there was a, a blizzard and, and your bookkeeper was, was snowed in and, and you found out by accident. I mean, that, I mean it's shocking, but uh, I mean, I, I read a lot of cases about, you know, these, 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 these uh, situations being found out by accident, you know, somebody, you know, the bookkeeper goes on vacation and then, right. you know, something comes in and the temp finds and says, yeah, what's this weird thing? This right. weird deposit going on. Uh, we're going to have to take a break in a second here. So I'm going to want to continue uh, discussing this, uh, Cheryl. This is a, it's a fascinating story and a, a great lessons to, to be learned for, for business owners out there uh, who I hope, uh, hope are taking to heart what you have to say. Um, so when we come back, uh, with with Cheryl Obermiller, we're going to continue our discussion here, and we'll be talking to you all soon. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response, and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve 
You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Welcome back, Fraud Talkers. And my guest today is Cheryl Obermiller, and she is the owner of Obermiller Construction Services in Hendersonville, uh, Missouri. I'm sorry, Harrisonville, Missouri. <laughs> sorry, Cheryl. We call it Hooterville uh, affectionately, so it's probably kind of the same. <laughs> We've been. T- she was the victim of a major embezzlement by her bookkeeper, uh, who stole or le- stole a huge sum of money and ultimately damaged the company to the tune of at least a million dollars. Um, Cheryl believes, and was uh, was ultimately prosecuted and and uh, pled guilty to stealing. I think just about four hundred thousand dollars of that, going back for the several years um but uh we're talking about you know how you know how how this came about and uh how cheryl discovered it by accident really on a in a blizzard and this and the bookkeeper couldn't make it in she went in that day found a letter uh from from the irs saying hey you owe us all this money you haven't responded we're going to come and seize your business uh because uh because you owe us all this money and uh everybody loves those letters those are such nice things to find in your mail so you went through the the drawers, and that's the name of your book, uh, which you're writing now to to hopefully educate people, small business people, and in particular the book. The name of the book is called "My Accountant's Drawers," uh, and uh, you know how to uh, a, a business owner's guide to outwitting embezzlers, thieves, and scallywags, which uh, hopefully is going to come out uh, uh, by the end of the year. Correct, Cheryl? Yes, I'm. I am. I was in Denver this weekend working with an editor, and so. Finally, after several years of telling everybody I'm writing a book and it's going to be it's going to be out soon, it, it will be. But I think you, know, you writing call a book I mean, is a lot I, of work, and so is running a business. And then when you throw recovering from embezzlement in there, it's a lot of work. Yeah, you know, I bet, I bet. Uh, I, I think you called me. 
two, three, four years ago, um, shortly after the, all this thing broke, right. uh, to talk about it. And I, at that time, you were, you know, just kind of learning what the heck, you know, this whole phenomenon of embezzlement and realizing that, frankly, you know, this is not uh, an unusual phenomenon. And, and in fact, it happens every day and businesses are, are being victimized uh, left and right. So and you, I think you told me way back when our, in our first conversation, that, hey, I think I'm going to write a book about this. You know, yeah. people need to learn about this. Uh, <laughs> did well, you tell it's me that? Easy to do, but you know, the, then the flip side of that is most fraud is really, really easy to prevent. Just statistically, here's some things to kind of scare people. Uh, a small business, and, and small does not mean one or two people. I mean, it, it does include that, but a, the, statistically, a small business is considered 100 employees or less. A small business is literally 100 times more likely to be embezzled than a larger company. And not only that, um, it's a, a, a 35%, so over a third of all small business failures are listed as the direct result of employee theft. Now, people don't realize that. That's pretty yet, shocking. You start talking to people, and you may find this too. Everybody that you talk to has, you know, the seven degrees of separation thing. Right. Everybody's got like a one or two degree separation from an embezzlement. <clears throat> And either happened to a company that they worked for or their husband worked for or their mom's company was embezzled or their friend or, you know, oh, my gosh, somebody in our local community, this cute little place went out of business because somebody was stealing. Everybody knows businesses that this has happened to, and yet nobody thinks it will happen to them. It's, it's like not knowing that cigarettes are bad for you. You know, how did we miss what a danger this is to small businesses? So, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. This is, uh, like I said uh, in, in, in the opening monologue, that the, this this is happening every day. And we, when we track, you know, I put together the data uh, that goes into our annual uh, Marquet report on embezzlement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in this past week, we had four cases a day on average, right. over and 100 grand. Cases. That's over 100 grand. And so what people need to understand is that uh, that piece of information can be – um, not only can, can scare some people, but it may cause other people to just shrug it off and say, well, you know, I've only got five employees. I don't have a million bucks to steal. I don't have $100,000 to steal. You know, my company only does $72,000 a year. Well, okay, how much, money, how much money could you afford to lose? How much money would ruin you? Would finding that you had $10,000 gone ruin you? A lot of people it would. Um, and yet that's considered so statistically insignificant. You don't report on it. Um, local police are unlikely to waste the time on it. It's, it's considered insignificant. And yet you may have a, a small business owner could lose their home over that amount of money. So Absolutely. It's, it can be devastating, frankly. It's, you know. So, so Tammy, uh, Tammy's starts stealing from me. How many different ways did she, was she, I mean, you, the primary way she was forging checks, right, but what else? Did she... she was forging checks. She was misusing a company debit card. She had, um, and the way she did that was she took their former employee, somebody left, they had a debit card. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell her to, to cancel that card. She says, sure, it's canceled, but right. then she continues using it. Right. And she kept putting money on it. And we had so many company debit cards that I wasn't, she had kind of this complicated, you know, way of transferring money between cards. You know, she would say, well, 
Listen, Carl had $400 on his card, and his crew's already back, And but Doug's crew needs money. So I transferred $200 from Doug's card and then $200 from the office card. And so there was this kind of roulette of, um, you know, tag team debit card transfers, and I didn't sit down and track them, and I didn't realize that I needed to be in control of those things. I just took what she told me as being the truth. I had no reason to doubt her, but... Um, liking your accountant is not an accounting control. It just means you like your accountant. It doesn't mean they won't steal. And while most accountants won't, the ones that will will destroy you. And and so how was she able to hide it from you? Um, Well, she balanced, she got the mail. She balanced the check statements and, and balanced accounts out and brought them to me and I reviewed them with her. Now, business owners are told delegate things. Don't make yourself crazy doing everything. Do what you're good at. Do what you're passionate about. That's all great, but you still need to be able to manage the inner workings of your business. And looking at reports that have all been available to someone to alter before you see them is not monitoring your business. And, you know, I realized after my embezzlement that I had let three to five million dollars a year flow through this woman's hands and everything I saw about my business had gone through her first. Now, that's a very dangerous position for a small business owner to be in. And yet nobody tells you, because you can't look at everything, but nobody teaches you what you need to look at. Even in business school, they don't. T- and I've talked to some very good business schools. They don't teach you this stuff in business school. They teach you how to read your financial statements, how to manage all sorts of things. Nobody says, by the way, your accountant could steal from you, and we're going to teach you exactly what you need to monitor to keep that from happening. That should be a required class in, uh, over at Harvard Business School down the street from where I am. But it's not. So, so. So, how did this affect the company, the fan, your, you know, your family? You know, isn't there a ripple effect that goes on here, and in, in, you know, with your vendors, with your employees? Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, because as a small business owner, like many other small business owners, I have to personally guarantee the company loans. So, you know, the company signs for them, but I'm always the co-signer for the company loans. So, if the company had, you're on the hook. Sure. If the company had defaulted on bank loans, they would have, the bank would have come after my personal assets to make good on those things. And what are your assets? Well, your home, your car, your property, your savings. Those things are all on the line to pay for business loans that are defaulted on. In addition to that, uh, when payroll taxes are not paid, it's one of the only taxes that the IRS can blow straight through your corporate veil and attach your assets personally because the money wasn't yours to begin with. It's, you know, it's payroll withholding. It's somebody, it's your employee's money that is supposed to pass through your business on its way to the IRS. They get very fussy if you don't give them that money. Um, and uh, they aren't nice to you at all. Uh, in addition to that, my employees didn't get raises. Um, we had to scrape along on, on, on old equipment that we could barely duct tape together. And Did you have to, fi- you have to have fire anybody? You know, we didn't lay anybody off, but nobody got raises. We almost canceled the company health insurance. Um, we and, and you know, one of the, probably one of the bigger effects. My, you know, my employees knew things were tight, and they were just glad to still have jobs. But I paid my vendors. You know, sixty to ninety days late a lot of the time, 
And, that, you know, what, what did that do to them? How many did they have to lay people off? Did they get charged late charges by their vendors because I didn't pay them? The ripple effect on this is, is huge. And in consideration of that, as business owners looking back now, I realized that I had really shirked my responsibility to these people. When they extended me credit, they should have known and been able to, to count on the fact that I was watching my company finances closely enough that when I said, if you give me $50,000 credit to buy asphalt, um, I will be able to pay your bill at the appointed time, they had the right to believe that I would be able to keep my word and that I was managing my finances so that I could keep my word. So, yeah, just like yeah, just like the donors to uh, the PBS, you sure. know. I mean that that uh, you know. So so how many we're of them will about- donate again? Especially this is the second time this has right. happened. How many of those people are going to say, "Well, I'm going to give money to someplace else. I don't want to. I don't want to pay somebody that give money to somebody that's not managing their account." You know, one time I can forgive, but it happened a second time. I'm going to donate to someplace that has better financial control. Right, right. So this is, it's devastating people. Uh, you know, what Cheryl's describing here, you know, her employees, she was, she's one of the lucky ones. I mean, uh, she was able to pull this, uh, we'll talk about when we come back from break. Uh, she's able to marshal all the forces. Uh, and I think that's a great story, uh, Cheryl, and get the, you know, get the company back, uh, back on its feet and, and ultimately recover. But the, what a, what an incredible thing where, you know, every, you know, the company's, you know, barely hanging in there, uh, and uh, it's having tough times, and and everybody's suffering. It's not just the business owner. All right, we'll be back in two minutes. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you and your business well-prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. 
Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. We are talking today with Cheryl Obermiller, who's been regaling us with her story, uh, having been a victim of a major embezzlement uh, with her uh, uh, small business, Obermiller Construction Services in Missouri. And uh, Cheryl is writing a book about her experiences. And one of the things that the book uh, is going to go through, and this is the kind of book, by the way, that's going to be at the business schools as a as a part of uh, the curriculum I'm, I'm i'm betting and i've seen uh, i've seen some of the book and how she's organizing it uh with uh, a lot of very practical simple things to do prevention measures uh and things to think about as a business person uh when you are uh when you're in your de- daily dealings with your finances to help try to prevent this from happening but uh so welcome back Cheryl. how are you Doing great. How are you? <laughs> good, good. So we were talking, you know, more a bit, a bit about this, uh, your, your own case and, and the ripple effect uh, that, you know, all your employees, you know, the people couldn't get raises, um, you know, the uh, you had to operate with, you know, equipment that had been aging and it was not so easy to, to function. You couldn't get new equipment, updated equipment. Uh, your vendors are, are, you know, getting paid in, you know, 60, 90 days, getting dragged out, um, people not not that happy. You know, um, interestingly enough, one of the reasons so many of them were patient with me was when I told them why I was paying them late, an extraordinary number of them had experienced financial fraud on some level. So while they still needed to get paid, they were willing to work with me because an awfully lot of them had had the same experience. Mm, mm. So what was the, I mean, for yourself personally, what was the emotional toll? You know, that's one of the things that you don't ever see in the statistics. You see businesses failed and they lost this much and that much. For me, I mean, the loss of money, as horrible as it was, was almost secondary to the emotional toll. I mean, remember, when, when you see a statistic, you see money loss. When you experience an embezzlement, and by the way, I tell people I'm an embezzlement survivor, not an embezzlement victim, because the, uh, the first one sounds pretty depressing. <laughs> mm. and so, you know, we fought our way through and made it through, but, the, but it was a really hard fight. I mean, I couldn't pay people. I spent half of every day talking to people and soothing people that I hadn't been able to pay, talking to the bank. I had the FBI all over my office. I had my own man in black on my speed dial. Is that cool or what? And, you know, he was great, but on the top of my bucket list is never again be involved in anything that requires your own personal FBI agent because life is better that way. So, uh, it, it was, I mean, I, I woke up at night having panic attacks and in cold sweats. I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I, I just, this sense of betrayal was uh, extraordinary. You know, it's, you-, it, it, you can't even describe it. At least, at least you got back to to your uh, modeling figure. Yeah, I did. Well, I tried anyway. <laughs> Again, in construction, they don't really care as much about that. But but my construction boots still fit, so that counts. So just uh, you know, so, uh, some some quick points here. 
when did you call the authorities? I mean, how did that go? Uh, we called that-, that morning. As soon as the, um, when the branch manager from the bank came to the office and had this stack of forged checks, and I said, what do I do? And she said, the first thing we do is call the police. You know, this is clearly a felony. You know, a felony is over, what, $500 or $1,000? You know, she said, this is clearly a felony, and it's bank fraud, and it's all sorts of things. So we called the local authorities and... Um, within about two weeks, we met with our county authorities, and they advised us to see, because of the amount of money and things going across state lines, if we could get the feds involved. So we called the FBI, and they took the case, um, which is a good thing. The, um, they moved through the courts more quickly, and the sentencing tends to be harsher. So mm. although the sentencing so, is still a joke, it's better than if it's not federal. So Tammy ultimately pled guilty to what? She pled guilty to... Um, stealing. Uh, she was, um, some of the stuff they convicted her on was actually, it seemed kind of weird to me. Instead of just saying, we well, were forging checks, um, they were more concerned with the fact that they had been taken across state lines and then put into an ATM. So mm, it was right. electronic fraud and it was, you know, going Interstate transport of stolen goods or something right. like that. Yeah. And so she pleads guilty. She's sentenced to 33 months in prison. Is that right? Right. She, 33 months and then you automatically, in a federal sentence, you get 10% off for good behavior unless while you're in accounting jail, you stab somebody else with your mechanical pencil, at which point they put your three months back on there. So. <laughs> right. So uh, she, she spends 30 months and she's actually getting out. Or got, she got out? out in April. She she got out of prison in April. Wow. So I mean, wow. I'm still paying the bills, and she's out of prison. But she's, yeah, so you 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 able tell us how you marshaled the family together and got this company back on track. Well, you know, we just got everybody together and said, you know, our futures are all hanging together on this, and we are really going to have to bust our butts and get a lot of work done, make a lot of money, conserve every penny that you can, and um, it, you know, we just you know we just pulled through. And um, it was, you know, it, it's ultimately, I think it's really strengthened our family. It's made us much better business people. We're much more careful about how we trust people and the access that we give them to, um, you know, company resources. Uh, it, you know, made us grow up quickly. And because so, we've seen firsthand so, what happens. So this brings us to a really important point, which is, you know, the lessons learned. Tell us what, you know, in your book you describe. Tell us some of the things that as business owners that you should be doing. You, you, you mentioned three, three critical things. Well, well, there are a number of things, and, and this is what I write about. The three most important things to keep in mind are, number one, get your own mail. Um, if you let somebody else open your mail, you're really, you are really opening yourself up to a lot of problems. And if you get your own mail for a week and everything you open say, how could somebody use this against me? You'll be so creeped out. You'll never let anybody touch your mail again. You get checks, you get credit card applications, you get credit card statements with, with checks for cash in them, or hey, just sign here to add a new credit card holder. You get so much sensitive information. If somebody's not paying your taxes, you get tax notices. So, number one, get your own mail. Uh, number two, lock up your check stock. I, I always joke with people that before I got embezzled, I kept my, my guns in the gun safe and my checks in the desk drawer. And now that I've lost a million bucks, I keep my checks in the gun safe and my, my guns in the desk drawer. And, and then they laugh until they realize that I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and the third thing is, Check your online bank and credit card accounts daily if possible. 
Everything else that comes into your office, people can alter. You know, any, a high school kid with a $29 scanner can cut and paste your financials, your bank statements, your bills, and, and commit blatant fraud, and you'll never know it's happening. But nobody can mess around with your online bank account. You, it simply is what's going on. So get your mail, lock up your checks, and, and monitor your accounts online. If you do those things consistently, you have... You have cut by an order of magnitude the likelihood that somebody can steal your money and hide it from you. And these are all very simple things that uh, don't cost money. I mean, people, I mean, as small businesses, uh, you know, it's like the, the the main reason they get embezzled from is because they don't have the quote-unquote financial controls in place. Right. Well, these are some financial controls, and you mentioned before, you know, liking your, your accountant is not a financial control. It, it these is are not. S- and, and, you know, even if you're busy and you don't like looking at financial stuff, it would have taken me about 20 minutes a day to monitor the things that I recommend that people monitor. Over the eight years that I lost all that money, that would have been worth over $2,500 per hour to me. Even if you're busy or you think paperwork is boring, if I gave you 2500 bucks an hour, would you look at it? <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Well, we're going to have to close out here. Uh, we've been talking with Cheryl Obermiller. Uh, it's a great story, Cheryl, and you you clearly are showing the passion, uh, and uh, you wouldn't take it lying down. Stood up and uh, and and bounced back, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the company's fully recovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you guys need you need construction work out there, in Missouri, uh, my friends listening, uh, you call Obermiller Construction Services, and they'll take care of you. But Cheryl, uh, it's been been great. Uh, uh, you're going to come back when your your book actually comes out, and we'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk more about that. Uh, thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for the opportunity to get the word out. Sure. And next week, join us at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another uh, great episode of Fraud Talk. We have Brian Jenkins, who is the worldwide expert on terrorism. I thought we would depart a little bit from the fraud issue and go to the security issue, uh, given all the chaos in the Middle East uh, that we're seeing and, frankly, around the globe. Uh, Brian Jenkins, a former colleague of mine from Kroll, but he's at the Rand Corporation, been there forever, former Green Beret, uh, will be uh, terrific episode. So thank you, everybody. We'll see you all next, or I should say talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon. 